Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. everyone and welcome back to another stacked edition of East Meets West where we are going to be running down the most recent jam-packed almost just short of a month this time of New Japan not been as big a gap for us this time with them keeping us busy uh, it's me Grant hosting for a little change and I'm joined by the Chris Charlton the, <laughs> the knowledge to my Kevin Kelly it is Scott McLeod how are you Scott? Thank you very much and I always uh, take that comparison yeah, obviously, those two, we get, they have a great back and forth, as do we. And, yeah, it was a hell of a month, you know. It was it was harder, I will admit, it was harder for me to follow uh, than last year, because last year, I think, because the pandemic was just all matches, all tournament matches, most nights, whereas I got to a point during this uh, month of New Japan, I just started skipping the tag matches. <laughs> no, no, definitely, I couldn't blame you there. It, did, it was a completely different setup this year. Um, the tag matches were all right. I, I did watch everything, but... You know, there's not a lot to talk about in those tag matches, but mm-hmm. we we do have a lot to talk about still. With uh, I really think the best thing is I'll do a lot of housekeeping and we'll jump straight into the meat of everything that's happened in the last just short of four, just short of four weeks. Uh, so catch us on Instagram, uh, Twitter at Suplex Retweet. Catch us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any good podcast source, and you'll also get us on YouTube. I do believe we have a, a Book It final coming soon, am I right, Scott? Yeah, uh, also we're very close to WrestleMania, I believe. Uh, rest, the week of WrestleMania, that will be coming out, so stay tuned to the socials for the official announcement of that, and that will be going live. And that is promising to be a very, very heated competition, and we've got a lot of good new content coming up soon, especially in that build-up to WrestleMania. But we are here not to talk about WWE, not about AEW, they can all faff around with their thing. We are here to talk about the best company there is. We are here to talk about New Japan. And let us just crack right into it with the anniversary show, Scott. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it wasn't a big, it wasn't a stacked card. Um, the big thing was really two New Japan Cup matches to open it. Um, but I think I really want to discuss the main event before I discuss those New Japan Cup matches. You know, what? Mm-hmm. The main yeah, event I think, that I knew we needed. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was very telling uh, for this year's anniversary show in particular. We always know that the the main event is the draw, you know, with the junior heavyweight champion and the heavyweight champion. You know, uh, occasionally they'll put uh, like another title match or something big on the undercard. I think it was very telling this year that they decided, oh, fuck it, we'll start the New Japan Cup a day early. Yeah, that completely threw me off card with that. I was like, hang on, wait, wait, we're getting New Japan, New Japan Cup matches already? And I think by the time we look at the end of the tournament, the kind of two matches to throw in first make sense for a certain faction. But the main event, the match I never knew we needed, that I never <laughs> even knew I wanted, El Desperado stepping in against Ibushi. Mm-hmm. 
What a match. <laughs> what a match indeed. You know, a hell of an effort from El Desperado. Like it was interesting that he had Doki and Kanamaru in his corner, but there was no Zuguin like shenanigans really. It was all Desperado basically fighting as fair as like I remember Zuguin can and his match against the Bush, you know, trying to prove like we said that not not unlike eight years ago he doesn't suck anymore. But yeah, I think we all knew the outcome uh, was kind of obvious, but it was nice to see this kind of matchup. You know, this is what this is why we need more junior versus heavyweight matches so we can get these types of, of matches. And you know, it is quite a, a feather in Desperados because he's the last person to challenge for the old like, IWGP heavyweight and Arcanel belts before they're unified into the new World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, that that was a huge thing. Like actually getting to put those two belts on the line against. Desperado with his two belts being a, a junior heavyweight and junior tag champ. Uh, I was I was really praying that I was going to get Des before belts by the end of that. <laughs> yeah, because I remember going into it, I, I didn't even know that Abushi uh, was going to unify him. I thought he was going to lose uh, last month to, to Naito and we would separate the belts, but that proved not to be the case. I'm very interested to see what exactly this new belt that they're going to unveil at Sakura Genesis looks like, but I felt kind of bad for Ibushi almost in that. They're kind of basically painting over the next month. Like, oh, yeah, everybody hates Ibushi now because he's decided to do, like, Jay White uh, once said he would split the belts back apart if he won. You know, they say that Tanahashi still has respect for Ibushi but isn't a fan of it. And, like, he's been teaming with Okada occasionally on this tour. And as soon as, like, the match is over, Okada just buggers off because Okada doesn't, like, clearly isn't happy about it either. Yeah, it's it's almost like Ibushi's um, whole I'm God complex has started to get the better of him and people are starting to, to see past it and he's he's probably painting a bigger target on his back than what he realises. Like, is this a, a slow burn turn to a heel Ibushi? Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it's just because he's a dreamer. He dares to dream and he's unappreciated in his, his own time, you know. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't think it was a good idea that one of the few people be... Uh, who agrees with him be a heel, as we see at the end of the New Japan Cup. But, because that, that doesn't really paint the decision in the best light, it basically validates that, yeah, everybody else is right, this is a bad decision, even though Abushi's still a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that that match between him and El Desperado wasn't as long as what I thought it was going to be, but my God, they leathered seven shades of shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. I think we, I was hoping for obviously something similar to the Hiromu match from back at Best Super Juniors, you know, it obviously wasn't as long as that match, but, you know, he got given a lot in that match, and obviously going for the, the stretch muffler, the submission that he usually does, is it's good when you're going against someone like Ibushi, because take out the legs of Ibushi, and maybe his kicks won't be as bad as, as we've seen them, seen they can be. But even with that, still not enough, and Ibushi I swear his Kamigoyes are getting more and more dangerous looking. Like I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's I'm pretty sure he's actually trying to kill someone at this point. I know, so, you know like something like an anime will just crush right through somebody's actual heed at one point. <laughs> it's like where's El Desperado's heed? Back row. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dodgeball. Oh, there's a souvenir for a lucky fan they're holding up part of somebody's jaw. <laughs> Oh my god, it was it was just so outstanding and what it does reaffirm at the end of the match when you kind of looked at how everyone, you know, Ibushi's looking pretty solid. You look at Desperado, those Suzuki Goon boys, they really look out for each other when one of their singles guys loses a match. Uh-huh. 
and like they really going in on the background of, of this brand and why it means so much to him. They talk about how he's basically a sparring partner for Suzuki and how Suzuki basically take liberties with him. He take you get the odd shot in on him. But you know, Desperado never kind of gave up. He and Doki talk about their times and, and struggles in Mexico. You know, kind of being in obscurity for a while before coming back to Japan and being part of Suzuki. And so, you know, it really paints a picture. And just, even though you know, obviously, you, you knew he was going to go forward early, to get, obviously get behind Desperado. And even though he lost, you're still happy that he's still a double champion. Yeah, that's it. It, it played on the history. Um... I loved like looking, kind of watching the the original match that they had back in 2016 or 2014. I keep getting mixed up with the years, but it was outstanding. But I even remember how that match was set up with like Desperado coming out with the probably the most aggressive aggressive passing of flowers to someone I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> You've won! Congratulations! <laughs> but, oh my! What 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 an incredible sort of like nice little kind of, kind of giving us a little bit of a, a break between the castle attack shows but mm-hmm. we went straight into the, the New Japan Cup and let's face it if we if we talked about every match and every outcome and everything like that this, this podcast episode would become longer than the Snyder Cut of Justice League <laughs> <laughs> but I think let's, let's talk our two finalists mm-hmm. Shingo Takagi and Will Osprey I don't know about you, Scott, but my bracket was well and truly busted well and early in this tournament. <laughs> yeah, I think we were talking on the last episode. I think we were both, uh, what we felt was a safe bet was uh, Jay White going all the way. And I thought, you know, as much as I didn't really want to see Okada like, go through everybody you know, and go back into the title picture just yet, you know, I thought him and Okada was a safe bet. But then Okada lost to Shingo, which is a big moment for him. You know, and then Shingo immediately became a dark horse pick, and it seemed like a wise decision as the tournament was going on. So Jay White v Shingo, I think, was a decent final, or maybe Shingo v Sinatra. I definitely wanted Shingo in the final. Uh, I I didn't. I was kind of hoping that Osprey wasn't going to be the one to go through it. And with every Osprey match, I got more and more scared. Like, oh, please don't give it to him. Don't give it to him. Yeah, you could you could see the genuine concern. I kept a following on Twitter as well, and the worry is as things went on um, I mean I, I want to talk about Shingo's side first because I feel that mm-hmm. he had the more epic journey of the two of them to get through and opening round he beat Okada could not mm. believe it I think they pretended Okada in that because Okada's back was taped or he had at least taped around his back and they talked about an injury there were all sorts of reports wondering if it's a cavey thing or if Okada was legit injured because God, this would then go on to wrestle like just tag matches, and there doesn't seem to be any indication of him having any major singles feuds just yet. So I think if it's a legit injury, he's kind of working through it right now through the tag matches and everything. And I think at the same time, it helped really put Shingo over strong because they talked about how rare it is for Okada to even be in the, the New Japan Cup because he's usually just the guy everybody's chasing after. And now, he, and before this, he was two and one. In terms of New Japan Cups, he'd won two out of the three that he'd been in, and the one he lost, he even got to the final of. So it was a big thing for Shingo, especially when we look at some of the moves that Shingo does that drops the around with the back and like uh, top of your back. So it kind of made sense that he was able to put away Okada the way he was, and it did seem like everybody was a strong like competitor in a way. Like in terms of the New Japan Cup, it was a real testing ground for Shingo because like he had Okada, who they said had one of the best winning percentages. 
he had Goto, they called him the winningest wrestler in New Japan Cup, a three-time winner of the tournament, New Japan Cup USA winner in Kenta, and then last year's winner in Evil. So it's basically, it felt like, you know, the Scott Pilgrim of New Japan Cup journey, you know, <laughs> fighting all the best players in New Japan Cup history in order to get earn that victory. See, I absolutely love that stat that like Shingo pretty much went through nothing but New Japan Cup winners, pretty much mm-hmm. like uh, Kenta being a New Japan Cup USA winner, as you said, Evil winning last year to beat Okada, who won it in 2012, yeah, when he beat Machine Gun Carl Anderson and Goto's. Okada's are 2013 and 2019 and yeah, Goto's won it three times, he's, one of the only, he's the only person to do it back to back. Yes, he, he was and you know, we look at like Shingo and Okada putting a fantastic match. Then he, mm-hmm. I, I'd say his real big test was Shingo and Goto, a, a rematch. Like we've seen these two tangle numerous times, mm-hmm. and it was the match that had me worried, thinking, could it be Goto instead that's going to go through here? It was a, it was a, really a physical battle between these two. Yeah, I think even though Goto hasn't like used the term to go on to become IWGP like, heavyweight champion yet. And it's still good that he can bring up those facts about his his record and the things he's won to always make him a big threat when this tournament like comes around. And also, Kara's always a, a favourite going in, so that was already a big like feather in his cap because like they'd only faced one other time in the G1, and I remember being so gutted when Shingo lost that match, and so I was really happy. So that's one and one. So fingers crossed, it's not too long before we get a run match between those two. Maybe even this year's uh, G1 climax. You never know. And then Goto, and then obviously, yeah, that remember the rematch between those two, that's how Shingo won the Never Take on the first place, so I was looking forward to that. But then the idea of Shingo versus Kenta, you know, Shingo making his name in places like Dragon Gate, Kenta and, and Noah, these two coming together, that dispelled dream matches, which is why the New Japan Cup's always so much more interesting the later into the tournament it gets. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like the fact, like Shingo and Kenta. If I, when I read the stats, apparently this was their first ever singles meeting. I figured and, it would be because I couldn't think of whenever they would have crossed paths. Yeah, I could not find it. I, I looked on it and I believe it was Chris Charlton himself that mentioned that statistic about it being their first ever match. And based on that, you know, give one of them a singles title at some point in the near future <laughs> and let them let them go for it again because. Uh, Kenta's run at the start of the tournament is is worthwhile mentioning as well that he had a fantastic couple of opening matches and I wouldn't have been disappointed if he made it to the final either based on that and his character work lately Yeah, I mean, given how well he did with that uh, right to challenge briefcase for the US title and even though he didn't like win the title eventually I think putting him back in the title scene which hasn't been in since like, pre-pandemic I think would have been a good idea him versus no, Bushi was a match I would never like say no to. He he got he got the match with just Robinson, another match we were meant to get at the Tokyo Dome, so we managed to get that with Kenta pulling out the win. And then obviously that meant that then meant we got MV Suzuki, which is always very exciting. But then Kenta just reading the Sunday paper while Suzuki's making <laughs> was not even looking in Suzuki's direction. <laughs> It was it was possibly both the most heel move I have ever seen on in all, of all time by oh Kazunin Razon. Let me just read the paper. What's going on in the weekend? And also, it was a very long like rolled up paper stuck in the back of his gear, and it took a couple of times of it being shown on screen before Kevin Kelly even saw or even noticed what it was. I was I was absolutely I was in stitches at that. Just like I was late. I was thinking, 
oh, Suzuki's going to be pissed. He's going to fucking kill him when he gets in there. <laughs> you could just see the, like, Suzuki standing over him as if to say, you're a dead man. How dare you? <laughs> I love that he was annoyed that Kenta Seema wasn't taking him seriously. So there's a point where Kenta keeps going to the outside, as he usually does, and trying to annoy his opponents. So then Suzuki just sits down cross-legged and just lays this, that paper that, that Kenta brought with him. It's basically a way to kind of dare him to get back in. I mean, that's, that was their first singles encounter in 16 years, and mm-hmm. both both men just put on a fantastic show. You know, it's, it really kind of like shows that kind of bottom left side of the bracket was absolutely stacked mm-hmm. just with those first opening, like sort of first round, second round, quarter final matches. I was, it was outstanding. And, you know, Shingo did, he done us proud. He kept on putting the, the LIJ boys over and <laughs> he made it to, against that that evil bastard, evil himself. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think it was no surprise to see evil get as far as he as he did, given that he got a bye through the first round by proxy of winning uh, last year's tournament. And I think it is interesting that he's basically now faced every member of LIJ in singles competition except from Bushy. Because, you know, he's fought Naito for the title, a role move for the title at Sengoku, Laurie Fotsanada at Wrestle Kingdom, he's fought Shingo here. So, you know, I'm just saying next year at Wrestle Kingdom, Bushy, it's your moment to step up, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I did like find out that when Shingo did win, Kevin Kelly and Kutran basically said, that, well, maybe Naito was right, he is the fourth best heavyweight because now he's lost to Naito, Sanada and Shingo, who are all also heavyweights. So maybe some of Naito's criticism that maybe he sent Evil into Bullet Club in the first place was, was validated. But it is interesting, like, you know, I remember. Hiromu came to Sanada's aid to help with Dick Togan in the G1, which is rare because it, the LIG are one of the few factions that nobody comes out to help the, their partner only in extreme circumstances. Where So it made it look bigger for Shingo to fend off both uh, Dick Togo and Evil at the same time without any help from LIG. You know, he even did a, a double pumpy bomber at one point on both of them. That was absolutely beautiful, and I'm just, I'm glad that he took out Togo and that he got the win, that Shingo got the win because. Like the whole shock of evil's turn is kind of now fizzled, and mm-hmm. evil's becoming this one-trick p- pony with the whole Dick Togo interferences. It's getting to the point where I, I don't look forward to evil's matches now, which is really a shame. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kevin Kelly was also always gives out about evil's tactics and everything, and the way he wins and how it cheapens like the uh, the prestige of his win when he has Dick Togo helping. You know, uh, Gino being the the Bullet Club member that he is you now always justifies it you know, as a result-driven industry, but Kevin Gale and Chris Yalton during the were really going in on evil tactics. I think they were almost communicating as part of the fans and basically saying to New Japan, we are sick of these tactics. We, it makes us not want to watch the show. <laughs> Plus, I, I just want to see Abby get his revenge on evil because that poor wee bugger, every single time, evil just goes, I'm going to rattle someone in this barricade and knock him in his arse. And what was funny is one of the shows that Kevin Kelly was doing during the tournament on his own in English commentary was he'd done it once. I think it was when he fought uh, Jeff Cobb, maybe. But he came then back around, and Abby could probably tell it was coming. So instead of running away and getting out of like, harm's way, he just grabs onto the baggage, hoping that'll help him, and it doesn't. And you've got <laughs> Kevin Kelly going, Oh, Abby, like, when evil comes around, that's your turn to run. <laughs> So just just learn Abby. Just get away. I think it was even pointed out during the actual the finals that Abby wasn't out for the first half of the card. 
He waited to come out until evil was done. <laughs> Which I thought was brilliant. He's like, nah, fuck this, man. I'm not getting paid enough to go out there and take these bumps. <laughs> but, oh my god, what, what a run like Shingo had. He, he overcame some really tough opposition and he booked his place in the final and now we've got to talk about that that bastard that bastard who I hate and to more say did, who I hate to say actually did have one of the best matches of the tournament um, but I'm going to put that more on who he was against um, he opened up against Tenzan it was an alright match you know these two have fairly decent commentary but let's face it Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Osprey. We were guaranteed a banger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is interesting, you know, Ken Kelly was quick to point out that, you know, Osprey comes out with the British heavyweight title and then one of the last big, like, independent shows before the pandemic was Osprey beating Zack Sabre Jr. and Rare Pro to win that title in uh, the first place. And how, like, since that, he's pretty much been a tag team guy for a lot of his appearances, you know, working alongside Taichi as Dangerous Tigers winning the tag team titles and everything like that. You know, like, because Zach fought Gabriel Kidd and I'm actually, I thought it was better than all people probably thought it would be and that Gabriel Kidd is a young lion now and, you know, Kevin Kelly brought up their history in the UK, like, mentioned WCPW uh, that now different promotion where they've wrestled and it's not, I'm not saying, like, they want to have young lions or legends in, but I really think, like, last year when they had some of the juniors involved because of some people that they couldn't get into the, the country I really think you should have more mix of heavyweights and juniors, and uh, and the and the New Japan Cup going forward because you know it doesn't mean you don't need that many legends or young lions in the tournament, and also given that that plus it's a single elimination makes the New Japan Cup stand out from all the other tournaments. You know we and it's also allows for more interesting matchups. You know like we got see Okada v Lexa for Roman and Taiji Shimori last year. It's just not my opinion that that would be a good idea, but. I love how Zaga took him like you know, seventeen, almost seventeen minutes, I think, to beat Gabriel Kidd. And he looked at first before he left the ring, annoyed that it took him that long. But then, as he he sees the camera, he's walking around. Oh, that was easy. I was just getting warmed up. <laughs> Usual Zach Saber Junior cockiness. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be talking more about that match in particular when we're talking about our favourite matches. But yeah, that's I, I got. I agree with your point. I, I believe that the, the New Japan Cup should become an open weight tournament because. Mm. The idea of some of the juniors like El Desperado would have fit perfectly in here. He could, he could have, he could have fit in with. There's a lot of people I would have loved to have seen him go up against, um, and it would have worked perfectly. Um, show as well because let's face it, Show and El Desperado are powerhouses. They are able to to keep up with the juniors. Uh, sorry, the the heavyweights. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to Osprey Saber Junior. I believe it became the first, um, maybe even the only five-star match of the whole tournament with the uh, the old Da Meltzer scale. Um, <laughs> I, personally, for me, I give it six stars just because Zack Sabre Jr. did break Will Ospreay's nose. Oh, yeah. Superb. <laughs> Superb. <laughs> I, I was, like, I, I knew Osprey was going to get by the first round. Everybody could see that coming. But, you know, and I also was worried, you know, you never know what the what uh, they're going to do with the Empire now because like they've got a good record in tag matches since the start of 2020 like as a trio especially they've remained apparently undefeated so at least they're probably like you know Cobb and O'Kan got to the first round they got through the first round but got eliminated in the second so you got to think are they going to have 
Osprey go the same way or because you know Zach could definitely go all the way. You know, he was a former winner of the tournament as well. And then so I'm just sitting there watching. I think, come on, Zach, say a bit, my son. Come on. Oh yeah, I mean, I, it was like it's undeniable. The chemistry between Osprey and Zach Saber Jr. is off the charts. They they put on nothing but solid matches. And some of the transitions that were being done, I swear, they keep getting faster and faster with how quickly they are able to move in to like Osprey from Osprey trying like a high fly move to Saber turning it into a pretty much. I'm going to fucking wrap you up like a pretzel, son. <laughs> I mean, you can tell, like, Osprey's put on a lot of, like, muscle over the last year since moving up to heavyweight. And, like I said, it's interesting that one of his first big heavyweight matches was against uh, Zach. And what a difference a year makes where last year people were rooting for a while to beat Zach. And now a year later, everybody's like, come on, Zach, kill him. Because, like, yeah, then he breaks his nose. Because I couldn't tell what had happened until, like, afterwards when they said that Osprey broke his nose. Because, like, there was some blood on, like, Zach's arm as they were doing some sort of transition. But it was also a bit on Will, so you couldn't tell... At first, like, who's bleeding? At first, I thought, because of where the blood was, I thought Zach, maybe the ear got caught with a kick or something, and his ear was bleeding or something. So it was very weird to see what had happened. When people get shocked, usually they sell. They don't do what Zach Virginia does, which is then just shout, come on, dickhead. <laughs> That's what I love about Zach. Like, there, there's a certain like sense of real realism. The way it's like, he does just have that cocky, never-say-die attitude, and... You know, it, it was great to see him back in singles action again after his extended kind of run with Dangerous Techers, which is back on the cards going forwards, it seems. Mm. But sadly, he got beat. Osprey did get the win. And then Osprey went up against my favourite, my boy. Sinada. <laughs> uh, this is where I was like, okay, come on now. Like, I know you want to push him as the head of this action, but. Well, you've already had him lose at WrestleMania, don't have him beat Sanada, and then he did and I'm like, somewhere Grant is going to be very angry because, you know like, I did like, they had a tag match the night before, I did do this tag match and he had Osprey just begging like, please just don't just don't touch my nose and all that, and then he shakes and then he immediately grabs Osprey by the nose I absolutely love the, the little build up before that, it's got one of my favourite now reaction pictures that I use for anything and it's just Osprey <laughs> sticking his head through the ropes, giving it all the shit talking and Snada just looks without even saying a word and just flips him the digit <laughs> <laughs> just pure and it, it was a match that it, it was it was decent I was I actually felt that like Osprey's like, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter but Osprey put a tweet out before this match after the finger from Snada and I think it's one of the most tone deaf tweets I've ever seen Osprey put out which was uh, I've I've not carried I've not carried something this dead since my aunt's funeral and I was like, no no oh, too too far too far nah just cut that. But nah. Sadly, Sanada uh, fell as well. Bastard. I think there was a running theme through like you know similar to Shingo like he had a similar way he paid the points usually to just come get hitting the last of the dragon whereas Osprey won all his matches. And not with the, you didn't use the hidden blade, you would use the version kind of like old Chris Yo's old death by elbow where he kind of puts him in every position, spins around and elbows him, which I believe he was calling like Chelsea Grin or something like that, and then it's Stormbreaker. So, though, I think it's good to do things that were establishing both guys like finishing moves, uh, with them all getting the win the very similar way. So, that made you think, okay, if like what happens when they hit them in the finals, is the other guy going to be able to kick out or, and yeah, the thing with 
Sonada. I thought like Sonada v G White would have been good in the next round, and I thought that was going to be a G One final. So clearly, whenever I think they're going to give us G White versus Sonada, New Japan just decide not to. Because I remember <laughs> they had it at New Beginning before the pandemic happened, and it was an okay match then. But it really leaned on the fact that Sonada had lost his way at that point. So I guess they're like, no, we gave it to you once. We'll give you another three or so years knowing us and our booking. But yeah, then he, he beat Sonada. And then he had to go fight Finlay in the next round, which I don't think was a match of anybody would have predicted. And he almost, he almost laughed at the possibility of fighting Finlay in the next round. And, you know, I think by this point, looking at the two same things, I thought, okay, Shingo's definitely going through because as much as Evil's a bastard, him versus Finlay, even though it would be new, wouldn't be the most enticing final. And him v Osprey's two heels wouldn't be the most interesting. So Shingo's got to go through. And Shingo v Finlay would be an interesting like story of like the guy who's fought through, two guys who fought through all the odds to get here, especially Finlay, who nobody thought would be there. And Shingo going up against them, because they said a bit of the run that Shingo had. And I think in the back of mind, I knew that Shingo v Osprey was going to be where we where we ended up. Yeah, that's that like that kind of like Osprey against Finlay. It was not a match that I'd even predicted in my wildest dreams before it. And Finlay was on that kind of Cinderella story fairy tale run, and his match with Osprey, hands 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 up to Finlay. What a hell of a match he put on, and the selling that he done as well was fantastic. Mm. I did like uh, the last few days of tournament having a. Uh, him and Juice coming out with their Impact uh, tag team titles that they won from the Good Brothers. The, uh, the match that they won them in, I think, is now on New Japan World as well. Because all of Vinci's matches in Impact seem to soon get uploaded to New Japan World. So if you don't have time to watch Impact and you're a Vinci's fan, you can find them there. This is not a paid advertisement. But <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a shock to see Finlay there. And you were kind of maybe, there's a bar in your mind, back in your mind thinking, could it happen? Uh, I did have this match did have one of my favourite characters of the entire uh, tournament where Osprey went for the Oscar and in the midday he was caught with a stunner from Finlay uh, that really caught me, caused me to kind of sit up a little bit because you know like oh maybe things aren't going to be as, as simple as I thought but then obviously he fell to he fell to the, the hidden no, the Chelsea Green and the Stormbreaker like the Osprey's other opponents had but then I did have to say that I thought it was interesting that the way that they set this final up you know like, this is the final of the best of Super Juniors one year, and then both men immediately went up to heavyweight shortly afterwards. They fought in the G1 before, and now they're fighting here. So that's three of New Japan's major tournaments, two of which being the final of these two have fought at, which was an interesting bit of storytelling. Also, when Osprey could have Shingo after his match, the fact that Shingo addresses Osprey in English, I didn't realise how good uh, Shingo's English was. I knew he wrestled in the US and that before, but I didn't realise his English was that good. Yeah, that completely caught me off off guard. Um, also, one of my favourite images with the subtitles of Osprey, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, we built up to this final, and it's like it's, it was the third encounter singles between the two. And I love the throwback to the best of Super Juniors with the fact that Shingo was the one that came out with a sword this time. <laughs> yeah, it took me time to realise that he had a sword. And then uh, oh, and that, and that weirdly became part of Space gimmick where it kept banging it out for a while after that. And like, okay, it was fun when Shing- when you did it with Shingo, but Osprey lose the sword. You can't be trusted with a sword. You can be barely trusted with your own Twitter account, mate. 
<laughs> oh god, it is true. It's like it's like things things that to keep Will Osprey away from Twitter and swords. <laughs> I mean, it's a longer list, but I don't think I think we'll get into some trouble if we go into them. So the final <laughs> itself, I know you were talking to uh, Briar that you maybe you still prefer their versus Super Juniors one. I agree that I believe that match got five stars. Of maybe it may be one of those matches that broke the five stars, but. I think it was always going to be difficult for them to to like top their first meeting, given obviously going into it, Osprey was the heavy favourite, and then Jingo at the time was still undefeated, and so obviously he probably has that in the back of his mind that he wants he wanted to repay that loss from the Bethes to produce and not repeat it. And obviously, I thought it may be one of my favourite matches of the tournament, not my favourite, but one of them, mainly because I'd managed to avoid spoilers for this because I was shockingly behind with some of the the days of this tournament, which is probably why I ended up skipping some of the tag matches. But I avoided spoilers for the final. I sat down, and I was so behind Shingo, I was like, please, at all costs, Shingo, do not lose to this prick. Yeah, that's I, the whole match, I was just like, come on, Shingo, Shingo, just just do not go down, Shingo. And, I mean, you saw how far, I mean, we had not seen the Hidden Blade, as you mentioned, all tournament. Osprey had kind of been shown as if he had a bit of an elbow injury, pretty much, to do with Zach. It finally came back out, and I was just about ready to cry. Mm. <laughs> I remember, like, he, for a while, he was doing like the Super Oscar, which is how he had to beat Shingo and the Super Juniors, where he did the uh, beyond the second row and onto the top rope to hit the Oscar. And now, like I said, he's had to burn back the Hidden Blade despite having this injury. So it like, really helped Shingo, like the length of had to go both times in order to have to beat him. Like also, the Shingo's back was a bit taped, and so the Osprey went after that. And he, he had that table spot where not only did the table thankfully break, but the one side of the legs completely just shattered and the thing almost folded in on itself. And so, like, well, again, taking the floor back of Shingo is always a good strategy to take away some of his moves, like me in Japan and uh, uh, Last of the Dragon. And I remember in his match with Kenta, Kenta kept going after his arm to take away the Pompey Bomber, but also set him up for uh, game over. And also you've got Shingo going after Osprey's nose wisely as well. Yeah, I mean something like the it had some really quite amazing sequences. The the, the, the like the splash on the table spot, as you mentioned, that was Chef's kiss, that was an actual textbook, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful move. Um I have to admit though, I did get a bit pissed off. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna hit you with a pumping bomber. That's okay, I'm gonna get hit with a pumping bomber, flip over, spin back up, and oh yeah, hit you with an Oscar. Get fucked, mm-hmm. Will. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly you know people feel like us have gone from being Osprey fans to suddenly being like, "I'll be like, ah, fuck off you with your no selling and all your other stuff." Like, if I got hit with a pumping bomber like that, I'm pretty sure my spine would have been in the third row. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, wrestlers aren't like us, clearly. But you know, I think Shingo through the tournament helped a lot. I think Shingo has is fastly became my favourite guy on the current New Japan roster and that's why it hurts Osprey winning hurts so much more because you know, especially a fuck you to us despite our efforts to cover New Japan, New Japan just had this guy beat both of our favourites in order to win the this tournament. Yeah, I mean that that there, there can Gedo could not have done any bigger a fuck you moment to me than 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 that final and doing that to me. Like not only did he have Osprey go over Sanada, he had Osprey go over Shingo. Two of my favourites in a single tournament. Not even fair. Not even right. I was raging. I mean, you could have had Osprey beat Okada, and I wouldn't have given a fuck. 
<laughs> but you had him beat with his shingle and Sonata. Like, ah. Uh, but my one, the, although the fact that him versus Ibushi will be a great match, and it still annoys me that, you know, as much as I don't like Osprey, I still have to talk about such great matches he has and makes me think, why are so many of the best wrestlers such horrible humans? Uh, but we talked about the way uh, Bushi's Kamagoyes have been, you know, Osprey's going in there. I think this you know, big thing's legit, so hopefully Os- Osprey gets a Kamagoy that ter- has his nose looking like bloody Lord Voldemort. <laughs> oh, that's a brilliant image. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to that over and over. That's just a fantastic one. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we got through that and, uh, you know, sadly, Shingo did get beat. And then we saw possibly the most tone-deaf move of the entire tournament. You could hear the entire audience go, audience go silent on it. That mm-hmm. RKO out of nowhere to be... Mm. What the fuck was that all about? Yeah, I came uh, of nowhere. You know, I was kind of sitting there. I was kind of like... Because like, Abushi had had a, a six-man shortly before the, the main event. So then he went round and saw on commentary. So it was a good idea of him having a... And being there to see who his challenger would be, there was kind of a stare down between him and Osprey as Osprey was setting the table up very close to where Bushi was sitting. And then also, yeah, I was just saying, okay, yeah, Bushi and that will have a, they'll have a stare down, have a bit of a confrontation. So I'm just sitting there stewing. And then I kind of like, why am I like, what the fuck are you doing? It's the way Osprey kind of was like, I care about this more than anything I turned or anyone, and then hits her with the cutter. And the fact that, like, they like, how Cobb and Okan just stand there as well and all three of them leave and then if you see his backstage comments they're all raising their glass obviously happy that he's won and Osprey is, is saying to the single life I guess I, I, it was just the most like the, the, the reaction on Twitter was universal like I have never seen a move like that go down like a lead balloon as fast mm. in my life I've not seen such an outpouring of anger from people because there was no story about it. There was no build-up of tension between them or anything, anything like that at all to lead to it, other than him just saying, I love this more than anything or anyone. And even the way he threw the microphone, I was like, you even throw the microphone like a dick, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I, personally, I don't think she's really added that much to the group. She really, like, gets involved all that much. And But then the way this came in, like you said, there was no build-up to it. I think she had some sort of deal with them which is now being said to, like, is now coming up, and New Japan doesn't really have plans to really use her there, before, use her there so probably she'll go back to, to stardom, probably. I get why she came in in the, the first place, but she didn't really add anything to the Empire, because, you know, Corbin and Okan have got a six-man at Security Jensen, and they're already teasing a fourth member uh, to the group, so, you know, the speculation as to who that's going to be. That's it, you know, so that, that was the big fallout of the New Japan Cup and before we cover Sakura Genesis, just want to take a couple minutes to talk about some of the matches uh, Scott a lot of matches to watch there's been a whole heap of it, we've been fired with another ton of wrestling was there any matches in particular apart from the ones we've talked about that kind of stood out to you as a favourite of the tournament or potential favourites? Well I think when you talk about some of the surprises like the upsets and I'm trying to think what maybe a a bigger upset, either Okan, Okan beating Titsu and Ido in the first round at one of the anniversary show matches, or suddenly winning uh, against Jay White in the quarters because 
you know, I think they were kind of, I felt like they were trying to plant the seeds in my mind that they were, that Finley could win because they kept saying about the record that Jay had over him, like 12 and 0 almost against them in singles matches. Uh, got the most recent one being in 2018. And so, like, Jay White losing the way he did, you know, he had just taken out, he had just taken out Gato, like, carrying him on his shoulders. And then he didn't do anything like that to be when he was in Finley's corner against Osprey. And I thought, well, uh, well, they probably don't want him interacting with you know, B. I don't know if they want man or woman violence. I was proven fucking wrong at the final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean those two, like those two, were major upsets in the tournament. I, I think to me the bigger upset was definitely Finlay going over Jay White. Like Naito, despite Naito being a previous winner, um, Naito hasn't always had the best run in the New Japan Cup, and Great Okan has been needing that extra bit of a boost after a couple of high-profile losses. Um, although, Okan did lose the biggest thing of all when he came up against Yano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Yano was always great in this, this tournament. He, he cut Square Okan. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, but like, I'll talk about Naito first. Naito, Naito, uh, like you said, like for somebody who's won the tournament before, back in 2016, yeah, he doesn't always have the best record, but I thought it was just coming off of a uh, uh, it was interesting when I saw that match because coming off of the never title loss by Okan to Tanahashi and Naito's failure to get back the Intercontinental title and I thought they both kind of need a win and I think in our when we previewed the, the bracket I basically was very like you know very casual about this like ah oh, it's probably going to be another big loss for Okan but uh, I think about yeah he did need it but I think it was the fact that he went on and lost in the second round uh, so didn't really get a chance to really catapult himself from that win. But the fact that LIG are on the opposite end of that six man that I mentioned with the new members going to be revealed maybe means that more of a long-term feud between the two factions is in store for us. It's definitely a, a, it's a, it's a feud between two stables that I think could be very interesting. And Naito's loss to Okan, I mean, he gave it everything. It wasn't, it wasn't like Naito, it wasn't a squash. Mm-hmm. Okan had to overcome a lot of opposition from Naito, and it was it was a big shock to me. Like I, I did go into it thinking, both these men really do need to win. But who do mm-hmm. I see? And and clearly, Gedo is just Naito's probably shit in his briefcase or something. Like that, and Gedo's like, no, 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 you're not winning. <laughs> yeah, because I think they did talk about going into uh, match with Bishop about how the condition and potentially of Naito's late knees. And so those became the target of Okan because he keeps talking about his amateur wrestling background. And so he, like, he beat him by submission as well, which I think was more of a like, concrete win for him. And, you know, now going against Yano in the second round, Yano, like, Yano ties his hair to the barricade, <laughs> forcing Okan to cut his, his hair, uh, like part of his ponytail, and then. He just seems to stop breathing it because the next time he comes, a few things comes out, it's all bushy at the back. Now, I didn't realise there was that much hair at the back of Okan's head. And like, the way he tried to go after, you know, he tried to go after Yano with those scissors, he was about to go all psycho sad on him. I, know, I saw this, I was like, oh no, oh no, we're actually going to witness a stabbing. I'm pretty sure the last time we saw a stabbing come that close was when Suzuki finally pushed Liger too far. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Yano, Yano did manage to beat beat Okan, and then poor Yano, he always he always goes that goes out the tournament in such memorable fashion. Yeah, it was surprisingly like, obviously you give Yano this win over Okan after Okan 
beat uh, Naito, who you thought he would have went past. Um, but I think the fact that you know, that they wanted too much of Evil versus members of the Empire because Evil beat Jeff Cobb in the second round without Wallace from Dick Togo. And then obviously Evil threw it some chicanery, you know, when he looked like he came out, you know, they had them turn the lights off and then turn them back on again. He's behind. Like, he's behind you. And <laughs> he takes out uh, Yano. But I think, again, it would make more sense that he got to the semis because yeah, people like, I don't want him going to finals again. And again, it's a former cup winner for Shingo to overcome. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It was, it was a, like, I, I still think that the, the way, like, evil, I, I was like, did, did he just do an Undertaker on Yano when the lights went out? <laughs> no. We've got a reasonable explanation in Japan. Dick Togo just hit the light switch. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to be all that silly. We're not into all that silly box, even though we had Liger, like you said, a year ago, take his mask off and he had all his paint on. There's so much to talk about. I mean, that's it. We're already on another tangent going through the the, the Okan run and things like that. And, you know, there were some fantastic matches. I do think, like, my, my standout match was Sabre and Gabriel Kidd. I didn't expect that match to happen the way it did, but I'm so happy it did. Uh, it was a hell of a match. Obviously, you don't expect much from the young lines because you know you had Suji and Yuji Nagata being the other match involved in the young line because Yuimura, uh, despite you know being involved in the, uh, the Super Juniors, he didn't get to be a part of the tournament this year. But uh, Nagata fought the young lines before, and Suji gave a good effort. But yeah, when it comes to the young lines, Kibro Kid, I think, is because Kid has a wrestling background before and he also had to unlearn a lot of things then it's more believable when he gets like offense in on somebody like Zach Sabre Jr. I, I don't mind Osprey like losing to, to Finley because like, I think yeah, it was a great story for Finley but also Jay White got to beat uh, Tanahashi in the, the, the second round and I think that's setting up him to win the, the Never Tail which I think is one of the benefits of the IC title kind of going away and being unified with the world title because it's now given a bigger opportunity for belts like the Never Tail. Because when before would you have thought we'd seen for a belt like the Never Tail, which kind of felt like the fourth or so most prestigious singles belt, having like two former world champions fighting over it? Yeah, I mean, that's it. Was, yeah, I definitely think you're on the money there. And thinking about those future things, I'd say it's a good time that we go on to the Secure Genesis preview because. They've not made us wait for the card for a change. We're, mm. we're, for once, we are not panicking at the last minute of how do we record <laughs> what's just happened and get ready for what's about to happen. We've actually got several weeks' notice. <laughs> I, I feel spoiled. I know. <laughs> what, I mean, what a day to be alive, eh? What a day indeed. And the card itself, sticking with the, the current pandemic era, it's not overly long. It is a six-match card. It's probably going to have a couple of long ones in it. And we're opening with the team of Suzuki-Goon's Doki, which I, ca- I cannot get enough of, the uh, the Dokis. Um, <laughs> we just just got to get that um, out of the way. And Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi, Dangerous Techers, back together against the team of Jado, Tangaloa and Tamatonga, the Girls of Destiny. Hmm. I, th- yeah. I, think, I think it's obvious where that one's going, eh? <laughs> I, th- I think so, yeah, because... They really were were hyping the fact that uh, in the last couple of days of show that that Sabre Jr. and that wanted to get back to visit. They wanted to get back to uh, the the tie team titles, and because it was good to see to take this New Japan Cup tour off. They weren't anywhere to be seen throughout the whole thing. So it's nice to see that they're 
they're back for this. Uh, they're back for Secure Genesis, and maybe they'll find the titles maybe a bit wrestling on Taku, or maybe they're going to build to uh, the Tokyo Dome with wrestling Grand Slam, because I've already said to you in private, I think I'll say to you after we talk about the, the world title match, what I think the main event of uh, wrestling Grand Slam will be. But, you know, I think they're really like setting the stage for certain matches, like you said, that uh, some potential people you thought, okay, so-and-so's got a champion, but no, like, they're going against champions in title, tag matches, but they're not giving you a lot of these title matches just yet. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely, they, they did throw a curveball at us with that one, two big Grand Slam events, one at Yokohama Stadium May the 15th, and then Grand Slam at the Tokyo Dome on the 29th of May, our third Tokyo Dome event this year, they are mm. spoiling us. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think there's going to be some, I think Dontaku comes after this, and then it goes to the Grand Slam stuff, if I remember correctly, they've, they've actually stacked the, like, the schedule that heavy the next couple of oh, yeah. months. I think, yeah, the, the Don Taku and then the... Because uh, the Don Taku tour is, like, ridiculously long. So I'm wondering how they're going to balance, like, get, having, like, key matches for the final days of Don Taku and then, obviously, not giving something away that they want to put on Wrestling Grand Slam. Aye, it's, it's going to be absolutely nuts. And I, I think, I think yeah, based on this first match, we know Doki's been calling out Jado for a singles match. We've got the Geo, We've got G.O.D., <laughs> <laughs> Doki and Jado's singles match I, I don't know why but I think it could actually be a really entertaining match there's going to be something kind of comical about it I'm sure I'm sure there is you know Doki you now gets a chance to you know shine oh, and I'm always for that you know get the Doki Choki back out oh yes the Doki Choki I cannot wait to hear I cannot wait to hear Gino shouting about the Doki Choki <laughs> again like, please please keep it coming because it's incredible yeah. As you know, looks back on his career and thinks, if I've added nothing to wrestling, I've added, I've added the Doki Choki to the world. Uh, Gino Gambino for best of Super Juniors this year, calling it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's going to be we're going to get that dangerous techers and God. The last time they encountered each other, that very controversial finish. The disqualification at thirty minutes, which drove people nuts. <laughs> There's yeah, unfinished business. <laughs> I think they'll probably have the if they do have the singles match with Jado and Doki, they'll have it the same show as this. So, so hopefully, like if Doki wins, they'll take out Jado, which means a more clean outcome between these two. You know, I'm interested to see what happens with Finjus because Finjus before at like World Tag, I really didn't want them to win. Where uh, and go and fight the Tigers again. I wanted God to win. Yeah, that they've been coming around, you know, and Finley's had this run. They're both the Impact Tide Champs. I kind of hope that they, you know, they had this rematch at the end of April against the Good Brothers. I hope they re- they retain there because I want to see the Impact Tag Belts featured more on on a New Japan. You know, maybe we'll have a, a title for title thing down the line. Yeah, I, I love the idea of that, and I, I do believe that the longer we can keep the Impact Belts appearing in New Japan, it means it's more obvious that the Good Brothers are eventually going to appear because Carl Anderson did tweet one of the head boys for New Japan, uh, one of the corporate guys, and he did respond saying, the number's still the same, you know how to get me. <laughs> yeah, you know, because they, they host a weekly podcast with one of the key guys in New Japan and Rocky Romero, so we know Rocky's working behind the scenes, so you know, we know it, we know it can happen at some point, it's the case of a win. Yeah, exactly, and I, I cannot wait for when that does happen, because it, I, I don't think it's if, it is when. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's our opening match. The second match, I'll be honest, this is the one match where I, I do feel it's kind of random. I'm trying to put in my head where this has came from, but even looking back at the New Japan Cup, a lot of these guys didn't really encounter each other. Um, the only the only bit of character work I've got going into this for a few days is that have you seen what Kent has been doing with Yoshihashi's staff? <laughs> I, I knew he kind of, I think he stole it after there was a like Yoshihashi got pinned by Yujiro at the New Japan Cup final, and I, I think it's, it was assumed that maybe Yujiro Ken uh, Evil maybe Kent is the third, maybe somebody else in in Bullet Club would then go after the six man tag titles. I thought. So then, a six-man title, that'll be a good little undercard thing for Sakura Genesis, but the fact that that's not been confirmed yet is surprising. Yeah, it's it's been really weird. I think one of the funniest things I've seen is Kent, I did actually tweet, I think it was yesterday, mm-hmm. him face him timing the staff. <laughs> I, I was like, wait, is he FaceTiming the staff? He is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unbelievable. I do believe that, actually now I'm thinking about the undercard from the, the finals, I think the reason for this being in there is that we're going to get a, a challengers for the six-man belts. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would have thought, obviously, Takura Jensen would be a decent show to put uh, the six-man title match on, because, you know, it's the semi-main event of one of the New Year beginning shows, but I thought those belts were kind of stepping up a bit, but maybe they'll have them on the road to Dontak, or maybe they want a feature than the never six fan belts on Dontaku so that they can save one of the other bigger title matches for like I said Grand Slam yeah that's it it's, it, it's an interesting one that they didn't go and it shows that they have clear intentions with Dontaku and Grand Slam they're not rushing to give us matches instantly mm-hmm. which has is, is got my interest and I mean there's not really much else I say I mean I don't Okada is involved in that match. Uh, if if the rumours about his injury are as real as what they say it is, for the love of God, Okada, take a wee break. A slip disc is not a joke. I know. Because, you know, I really think Okada is going to be the guy to challenge the one of the other match. I really think Okada really is going to win in the main event. I think Okada is going to challenge him. If not, yeah, he makes it, if he doesn't make the challenge here, he'll make it Don Taku for the Tokyo Dome. Because I'll say, I think they, they can't resist not having Okada main event at Tokyo Dome show. I know they didn't do it this year like, yet, but you know, they think they've got an opportunity to do that. And I think with the whole idea of like, Okada kind of being like, not happy with what she's doing with the title, then I think it serves to make a good story. Because remember, he, Tanahashi, and Ibushi were all seen in the last couple of days of the, the tournament. And, yeah, have you mentioned the uh, the earthquake that happened during their match? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, how, uh, we we we've kind of skipped over that fact, but uh, maybe we should maybe take a brief moment to rewind the the fact that a fucking earthquake happened <laughs> during a show, like a fucking earthquake. <laughs> I know. Like I remember hearing about it and then forgetting also that the version of the same as I was watching uh, was live. Then obviously there's a big long bit in the middle with Kerry Kelly, Chris Charlton, and Gino all obviously having to all like cover and like fill the time. You know the heels bugger off, other than GOA just posing on the outside for a little while with the uh, Bushi's two titles. But got Okada, Tanahashi, and Bushi all hanging around. You know they're all they all go to get in the ring and start posing for the ringside photographers. You got Tanahashi, you no know, comfort and fans. You know like don't worry about it. 
because a lot of the fans didn't even didn't even run that far when stuff started shaking, and like likely the the building held because when it came back, you had Jay White basically willing the air crate to take the lighting rig down and fall on Tanahashi. <laughs> That was hilarious, and even Zack Sabre Jr. took the piss out of it at the at the finals by like walking out with a chair with a chair over his head for protection. <laughs> just just again, it was it was just such a surreal moment, and especially when you look at all the gifts, which they are everywhere on Twitter, and you just kind of see like everyone kind of stop as if to go. And the first thing one of my friends said to me was, "Did anyone take a bump when the when the ground started shaking?" <laughs> <laughs> you know the idea. Abushi, Okada, and Tanahashi, you know, being on one team, you know, all that star power. It's, it's a, the building, the whole of Japan couldn't even take it. Yeah, all just shooting. Yeah, like you say, like when it came to them posing, you look, it's like Abushi posing, Tanahashi posing. You look at Okada, he's like, fuck off, I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> Can we just start the match? But I've got, got a cup of tea back there. But yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Okada is going to challenge back for the gold, and what better, what a sneakier way to get him back in the dome than we're going. Well, it's not technical Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, because like you're thinking about the main event, or also will be Ibushi versus Osprey. Because I doubt Ibushi is the one who wants to unify them into one title, and this will be the first technical defense of the of the world heavyweight title. He's not going to lose uh, at this stage. Like I said, I think the dome or even Dominion at the very least. Is going to be where Bushy loses it. I wouldn't be surprised if they just have him keep it all the way to the next Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, that's that would not be surprised. It's it's definitely got got interesting prospects and yeah, there's not there's not all much. I mean, go look at the rest of it. Like Ishimori's there, Dick Togo's there. Of course, Dick Togo's there. He's the health and safety officer. He's got to be there. <laughs> Everybody needs a bit of dick in their life. <laughs> Everybody needs a bit of dick in their life, as Gino Gambino says. Some people might disagree with that. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, Gino is the gift he keeps on giving. And then it leads us on match three, which we kind of briefly mentioned. We've got our LIJV's United Empire uh, six-man match. Shingo, Sanada, Naito against Jeff Cobb, Great Okan. And let the speculation begin. He's the Japanese equivalent of vacant. It's X. <laughs> X. I, I thought the idea to you about Andrade being the, the other guy because like he was I remember the original LA Elosango Vadavis as La Sombra back in the day, you know, and I thought the shock of him coming out against you know, his old faction as part of the Empire would be good because there's no non compete as well, so he could easily show up at Sakura Genesis if he wanted to. But I I, I, I think you kind of when we were talking kind of shot the idea down and I thought like, yeah, probably and then think about it, I don't know if I'd want to see Andrade mixing that up with, with Osprey. To me, it's it's the whole quarantine thing. I don't know what if, what the quarantine rules still are, but they usually seem to hint that it's like two weeks. Um, some people think it could be Hanari, um, because, of course, the Empire is not a person to go and eat pins. Why not? Um, <laughs> well, well, Okan's already taken enough pins. You know, I mean, not in tag matches, but in singles. So, you know, you need... Because you know they can't stay undefeated as a in trios matches forever. They need they need a fall guy. They need their they need their chase the wins. That's uh, that's. I'm I'm trying to think who else it could be. I mean, there, there was one tweet I saw earlier, and uh, it, it, the the person in question did respond to it. But obviously, it's a very vague one. It 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 could be just you know the usual Twitter and you know people having a bit of laugh and that. But someone suggested Brody King. 
Uh, that would be a, a random one. Uh, seeing like you, you mentioned to me that uh, Mark Skrull's name had been thrown around, it would be weird to see him and Osprey on the same team because famously they made a career of being enemies on the indie scene, especially in New Japan as well. You know, going back and forth over the junior title. The I would have thought maybe maybe this is where they finally recruit Suji to their group, where they're trying to do back in when uh, Castle attack. But you got to think Tanatsu would have to be on the other side of the ring for that to really take effect. Because yeah. uh, the thing they do that would have been back when Okan was challenging for the Never title. So I think the boat on that is kind of sealed. Aye, that's it. the more I think about it, I'm really I'm really struggling to put a name to it and. It's one of the few times, you know, there's not like any sort of like big free agents making a big deal about being free agents now recently for me to go, oh, it could be this guy. Yeah, I think that's why I said Andrade because he's the only real standout free agent because the news of this came a couple of days after the news was going around about his release. Yeah, that's, that's, don't get me wrong, it could be Andrade. It would be a major surprise to me if it was. But mm. it's not it's not outside the realms of possibility. It's not impossible. So I mean I I, I could imagine the shock and Knight was face. Probably fucking mm-hmm. shit himself. Well, that's it's up in our interesting possibility, you know, La Sombra versus Naito uh, down the line. And uh, I wonder if he'd be La Sombra again, you know, but would he have to put the mask back on where because I'm pretty sure he lost the mask before he went to Derby, so he, he probably wouldn't. Well, like I said, New Japan, the New Japan are kind of good at these kind of surprises when like mystery teammates. I remember when Lig teased a new member. I don't think anybody thought Shingo Takagi would show up, or like that time where Cody was revealed as a new member of Bullet Club. I don't think anybody was predicting. So, no, I think it'll be somebody when nobody's thought of. That's it. It's it's an absolute crazy, crazy sort of thing, and you know. Uh, whoever it turns out to be, it's it's a very interesting faction for them to end up in because obviously there's a lot of controversy around Osprey on Twitter and things like that. We all know about it. It's very well documented. People don't need us telling exactly what it is. I mean, um, same with why I think even though people have mentioned Skrull's name on Twitter, I think that would be a PR suicide for New Japan. Mm. Yeah. Um, like there was, they said an angle had been filmed or something like that with him and Rocky, but like Rocky's been wrestling recently, and I don't think anything came out about anything between him and Skrull. So maybe if it was filmed, maybe they've heard the details go out about it and scrapped it completely, or maybe they taped so far in advance that things not even came out yet. Yeah, that's it. So we just, I mean, it, we've seen how like how hard it is to pinpoint when places are recording things right now because Mm -hmm. at the same time that Finn Juice won the tag titles in Impact Juicy's hair had changed entirely in Japan yeah because I believe the 14th yeah like the 14th of March was Sacrifice where they won them and then they're coming out on the 16th being told that they're Impact tag champs but not seeing the belts until I believe it was like the final days, like when they came out for the semis, was the first time I seen Finley uh, coming out with one of the tag belts in these, these wish, which is good that they should acknowledge the tag champs on in, on uh, New Japan because they're being billed when they go in back as New Japan's Finjus, and so it also helped add to that Forbidden Door kind of thing. That's it. I mean, the Forbidden Door stuff is starting to get. I just want to see it open up a little bit more, but I, I think until. 
we've got more vaccinations and quarantine the rules ease in different countries we're going to have to make do with some some bits at the moment uh, but yeah I mean that's, so we've, we've really we've heavily discussed next and three more matches to cover next mm-hmm. up we have our fourth match uh, kind of odd pairings you know when you look at who they've chosen from their kind of stables to an extent to back them up we have Hiroshi Tanahashi with Satoshi Kojima uh, against Jay White and bad luck Fally of everyone <laughs> yeah that's a weird thing because obviously Tanahashi doesn't really belong to any real like facts he's one of the only people who doesn't in Japan he's just like there's just this other unofficial group of faces that seem to stick together that he's part of yeah, so him and Kojima sitting together, I'm sure they're both kind of veterans, which is why they are together. Valley, I don't know, maybe again, that's a case of somebody needs to eat up in, which is why they both have these partners, because, you know, like I said, I joked about uh, Chase Owens, that's you know, being his role, I think, if like you think you'd be a team with him or maybe somebody else more high profile, like, I don't know why, maybe Evil isn't in his corner or something like that, but I think it is all, it's even they set up for to sit further up for Jay White versus Tanahashi for the Never title. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jay win the title. I did think it was interesting that they tried to do, he had the ball to dare Tanahashi to get a laid down for him so he could go on and win the tournament and, you know, like help separate the titles. Tanahashi said, like, I know you don't want those belts to be put together. Help me. He said, he was saying about, let me save our legacies from that psychopath Abushi. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting because the fact that Tanahashi, even though he got beat by Jay White, is not instantly went, oh, you want to shot the open weight belt by all means. And part of it is the fact that they've made a big deal of this that if if Jay White was to go up against Tana, if he takes that open weight belt, he's a singles Grand Slam champ, the first one in New Japan. Mm-hmm, yeah, or like the quadruple crown. I think they get they're referring to. On commentary because you can't technically call him an official like Grand Slam like you see I did the singles to it because he's never been a tag team champion and he's never held the six man belts even though he came close recently and also he's never really held any of the junior belts either so he's not technically a Grand Slam just yet if he wins one of the tag belts then maybe he will but it would be interesting. it would be another like not to his thing because like he's been heavyweight champion or continental champion US and now never champion just over three and a half four years. Yeah, and I think it would add to the history the fact that if Jay White was to win the openweight belt from Tana, that means Tana has dropped two belts to Jay White. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, it's interesting because you think about it when Jay, when he came back to Japan from its origin, his first thing was jumping into a singles program for a title with, uh, with Tana, actually, even though he lost. But since then, it seems to be he's kind of got a number of Tanahashi where he beat Tanahashi in the G1 then Tanahashi beat him to retain his briefcase, then Jay White won the title for Tanahashi and now he's beating Tanahashi here so it seemed like in terms of the scores, Jay White's got the edge currently Yeah, that's it, Jay always seems to have Tanahashi's number most most of the time so it's it's going to be interesting, I think they're either going to make it happen at Don Taku or they're going to hold off to one of the two Grand Slam shows but yeah. either way, it's an interesting possible matchup. Yeah, Dontaku's like two nights as well, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually have the minute main event one night with that belt, because they already did it in Hiroshima where they never title main evented. 
that's it. I mean, wherever they put it, I'll just be happy to see that match because we know the two of them can put on a good one. And speaking of good good matches and good chemistries, match number five, we have the defending junior tag champions, Suzuki-gun, El Desperado mm. and Yoshinobu Kanemaru against Sho, and finally returning after a whole year, Yo! Mm. Yeah. Because like the New Japan Cup final opens, there's this music playing that I don't recognise, and like it takes for the commentators to notice it, and then out comes Yo, who it's kind of sad that I'd almost forgotten about him after a while because I think the last time he saw him was last year's New Japan Cup, and then he got injured there, and then the third we had Yo coming out with one tie belt for a weird amount of time before the belts were officially vacated, and you know I'm glad to see that he and and sure, getting back into the tie title scene very quickly because, you know, Show needs something after losing to Hiromu at the beginning and not being allowed to be in the New Japan Cup. And also, I think seeing the two back together, I think, is, is great for both of them. So people can be reminded just how good a team they actually are. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a match that it's a big return for you. Like, it is jumping straight into the deep end, going against such a, a great tag team. And Suzuki Gun and these two te- these two teams have got so much history with each other. It's it's almost like they're destined to always be at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. It's like they they like had Romogitiki's number similar for a little while, and then in some of the first couple episodes that we did, we had uh, Romogitiki beat them in the Super J Tag League final to win the t- then go on to win the titles back to Bullet Club, and then. They beat Kanamaru and Desperado in their first title defence. So it kind of felt like they put them behind them. And now they're kind of renewing hostilities now on a more even playing field. Now that Rapongi 3 gets the wins over them in their back pocket. That's it. We've got that, all that and topped off with the fact El Desperado being the double champ as well. That just mm. extra puts, like, if they're like Rapongi 3K in my mind. This could be the big thing is that it could actually cost them the matches. Are they going to be so focused on trying to get the pin on El Desperado for one of them to try and get a singles match against them? Could that actually cost them the match? It'd be interesting because it, be, it depends what they want to do for Mongi Fiji coming back into uh, the company after so long, like not being a team. Do they want to have them win the titles back so soon? Because you remember when they came out of Christian, they won the titles fairly quickly. And I think maybe Show is like probably gonna be wanting to go back into the the single sale picture. So maybe if one of them tries to challenge Desperado if they win the tag titles to a match, if Desperado maybe eats the pin and then they can set up a junior title match at some point. You know, I, I hope when the Super J tag league comes around, if it does happen, it's not with Punky PK that wins it because I'm pretty sure they've won the last three. So I think we need a new team to win them, you know, getting to see Rupongi Tiki makes it back up again with Bullet Club I thought would be uh, interesting again, and maybe even though they've been away for a while show's still done so much as a singles guy, maybe we start to see dissension shortly after this, you know, where show's now stuck in a singles mentality and can't really function as part of a tag team anymore That's it, there's so many options that could come out of this. It is a danger, do they kind of go back down that old pigeonhole of going through the same kind of three, four teams Mm. in the junior division? So 
hopefully this is this is an opportunity for them to freshen things up and that's where I think they should be trying to exploit the whole forbidden door thing and getting tag teams in from the likes of AEW and Impact who have that expertise that could bring something new to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, we've also got the main event, but I think we both discussed, uh, I think we both uh, agree what the outcome is probably going to be for the main event. Yeah, main event to me, it's it, it, on on paper, this has the potential to be an absolute outstanding match. There's no denying that. The two of them have had fantastic matches. Um, Osprey, I uh, know you're probably not listening to this, but please, for the love of all that's fucking holy, do not concuss the champion, please. Yeah, yeah, please don't. You know, we know that it'll be a good match, and I'll because these two are incapable, seemingly, of having a bad match against each other from you look at their history. But, you know, I just want Abushi's reign to continue, and I want to see what he does with the World Heavyweight title and see him maybe have new feuds with Abushi. You know, that's why I wanted Jingo to win or Kenta. Because the two versus the Bushy feels like first matches, even though I said it looks like Okada's going to win up because I want Okada to go back in the title picture. I just think the story of Okada being so adamantly against what Bushy's trying to do makes a for a good story going forward. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 going to be these six matches on paper. It's it's a fairly solid booking. There's a couple of bits in there that you're kind of thinking, where are they going to go with this? But when you look at how many events they've got in such a short time afterwards, I think me and you have got a, an incredibly stacked couple of months ahead, and I, I'm not even I've, we've not even covered yet, which I'd say it's a good time to move on to, is New Japan Cup USA qualifiers have been going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to really watch the last qualifying matches, but I did see who's qualified. It makes it's looking like a strong field, and when you look at the this Friday's qualifiers, which have already happened by the time you listen to this, I think we can already assume by the time recording who's going to win those two. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's who have we got? We've got TJP against Clark Connors and we have Chris Dickinson against Blake Christian and to me, I think uh, my no-brainers are TJP and Dickinson are going to win those two matches. Yeah, because like Connors, even though he was Linebrook winner and he got to be in the Super J Cup, he's not winning that. He's still like, like under young line status. And Blake Christian, it shows again how far this is back this is taken. He's already signed with WWE, so he's definitely not winning. Yeah, so I think it's, we're maybe looking at a quieter April because we've got this April 2nd is when this tournament officially like, kicks off, and that'll take up most of April. Lots of good agencies on the 4th. Uh, the four underground matches can be setting up for things where then they which then build up to two title matches on the the top to the semi main and main events lots and then we've got this tournament uh, correct me if I'm wrong what we've got who we've got so far Leo Rush uh, Ren Narita Brody King uh, Tom Lawler yep Fred Rosser mm-hmm. so I mean like this, the kind of six that we've got qualified so far it's an open weight field. Um, I've kind of got my two favourites for winning the tournament in mind for myself already. And that is Brody King and Leo Rush are my kind of two ones that I think are favourites. Yeah, we know what the last two qualifiers are going to be this week and we know the other guys who qualified. We don't know where the bracket's going to be at the recording, so that'll be interesting when they finally unveil like who's in what spot, who's going to go up against who, and then that can speculate. 
well, if he wins that match, he can go in and potentially face this guy. This is what's really good about a single elimination kind of tournament. And I think a lot of people were really surprised by last year's USA, like New Japan Cup, uh, when Kento won. I don't think they were expecting Finlay to get to the finals of that either. But uh, to me, on paper, uh, Lawler is my heavy favourite going into this. If he gets the final, maybe, or even the semis against Brody King at some point in this tournament, then I'd, I'd sit back and really enjoy those two barreling to each other. Yeah, it's it's definitely. I think it's going to be one of those sleeper hits. It's the new Japan uh, strong stuff. To many, hasn't quite had the same impact as their original pre- presentation in Japan. But sometimes they do slip in some really like sneaky little bits, which are absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is there is some good stuff there. It's just the fact that with the schedule that New Japan currently has, and also everything else that. And going on in the world of wrestling for guys like us to keep up with, then I get sometimes stuff like strong kind of falls in the back burner. Yeah, that's it's, it's a shame. It is a case of we do sometimes for anyone that loves loves wrestling. New Japan stuff is incredible. I think the biggest obstacle for the casual fans is keeping up with the schedule because you're talking what like the road to Don Taku tour has got something like about. 14, 15 shows in it and you're talking two and a half hours a show and whereas you think that your Raws and that are once a week you're sometimes getting like three or four of these shows in a single week it's, it is so hard to keep up on top of Yeah and I hope they do with the Don Takuto what they did with Summer Struggle last year where it's not just the same matches each and every show where they kind of change up a little bit like we had the we had a tournament at the start of Summer Struggle for the new six-man chance, and then we had stuff to do with KOPW. So hopefully they slip in some stuff during that Don Taku tour that actually like, is worth their time checking in on and not just like night after night of previews of matches you're going to get at the end of the month. Definitely, and I think there's, a, there's one last little thing that I've noticed when I'm perusing some of the cards, and on the road to Genesis shows, I think we're bound to get a surprise at some point because... On the New Japan site where they tell you the cards. Now there's only one, two, three, four. There's four Road to Genesis shows, so it's a really surprisingly short amount of Road to shows. The last one doesn't have a card. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, mean, I'm, I, I saw that as well. I thought maybe maybe one of the maybe only airing a certain amount of ones because uh, sometimes in New Beginning or particularly long tours they don't air every show because I think there's a bit in the middle of Summer Struggle, there's a big chunk in the middle where they weren't filming so if they aren't going to show you every Road 2 show because looking at the cards, the card is pretty similar with like few exceptions like each night like, I think one only real change on the Road 2 shows that I've seen is that on like the third or so night like Konma has been swapped out of like the, of a BC team on the, in the main event for Kojima but really, other than that, there's no real card changes. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And, I mean, looking at New Japan World, only two of the Road 2 shows are being planned on actually being shown live, and that is the Monday the 29th of March and Tuesday the 30th of March, which are both Kurokin Hall shows, which stands to their usual kind of thing. They usually do pretty much put every Kurokin Hall show online. So I'd be interested to see what happens, obviously. You know, and for us, like, the fact that it's on the 4th of April, I know it will be live, but, you know, 
like that just kicks off a bigger like week for us you know that than there already is because you know following that from the fact you got Raw and then the lead into WrestleMania and so if you're an energy fan, fan like us you've also got that on so Sunday the 4th through like the 12th or even the 13th if you're an NXT fan because I'm pretty sure that's when NXT debuts on Tuesdays that's one long like week and a half of wrestling yeah we've got uh, we've got a really ridiculous schedule ahead of us looking at things to come uh, in New Japan and us being fans of other pro- companies and products as well it's it's a case of I, I need to try and find a way to make days longer than 24 hours to fit all this in uh, it's a similar problem Abushi's talked about he wishes he could have 25 hour days but Abushi can he is a god <laughs> <laughs> but you know I'd say at this point you know we we've we've covered a lot of New Japan content and this was actually one of our kind of shorter gaps between shows and you know we'll, we will be back with you all very soon because we are going to have to cover what happens on the back of Genesis um, we're going to have to cover what's coming up for Dontaku and something tells me they're going to sneak something else in here between between now and then just to keep us completely on our toes Yeah, I think we're going to probably have to come back sometime mid-April because maybe by then the New Japan Cup USA will kick off with a secure Genesis and hopefully you know you got to give them a little bit of time to you know, so we can see what indication of any like Don Taku's going to take, and if they've actually slipped anything on the road too, so it's worth talking about. So it'll be really interesting to keep like our eyes peeled for. Yeah, definitely, Scott. We've got an absolute ton to cover, but at this point, we have really covered everything that we that we can at the moment. We really appreciate you being on this journey with us. Um, can please continue listening to us in East Meets West, and please again check out the rest of our content listen to the other dafties going about stuff listen to the boys on Saturday Draft Live we've got we've had a very a very fun season in this one so far haven't we Scott? Yes definitely we uh, we had you on recently uh, I think it was last week's episode where you and I you know faced off for the, the title I didn't even get a chance to mention that on uh, this show and then uh, you went to you had to then go and lose it at Fastlane to that dafty Stephen Wilson but as, as annoyed as I am at you for that the fact that I was one bonus question away from actually being the one day walk out of Fastlane as the champ is even more annoying. Which is which not just because of the sweep, but I should have won I should have been quicker than you at Saturday Draft Live, which means I would have retained at Fastlane, but so I fought myself twice in two days. But there is gonna be more opportunities and I'm sure, you know, we will get the title back to us on East Meets West. We'll make it count. Mm-hmm. But for now, that is everything we have. Thank you for being on with me again, Scott. No problem. I, I always look forward to, you know, I think we talked about the, the undercard for Secure Agenda. I think, I think we put more thought into it than what we'll actually get. That's it. No doubt we'll get a couple of surprises, but thank you everyone for listening. Have fun. Enjoy.